This is In The Zone. And I give him credit for that. But that has absolutely nothing to do with him being a head coach. That has nothing to do with him being a complete failure. That has nothing to do with him being a pompous ass. You're listening to In The Zone. City to city, state to state, worldwide. And I'm not even trying to be funny. Oh, at all. But it's a real good thing that Jeff Fisher was never was never part of me, Larry Fitzgerald Jr. head coach, because if he was, his numbers would look like Kenny Britt. On the In the Zone Network. Palm Alexander for the In the Zone Network. I want to tell you about a newest sponsor, Missouri Sports Bar and Grill. They've been in business for over 40 years. They're located at 701 Tucker Boulevard. They're the new home of the XFL STL Talk Show. Give them a call, 314-202-8791 if you want to place an order. Remember, they stay open at 3 a.m., and they're going to be the home where we'll be doing our tailgate for home and away games. That is Missouri Sports Bar and Grill, located at 701 Tucker Boulevard. They make you feel like at home because you are at home. City to city, state to state, worldwide, Connecticut is in the zone. This is it. And now, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mike Lyle, Jr., news anchor and reporter based in Connecticut for New England Public Radio and WTIC. Also, newest inductee of the National Press Club and a fellow member of the NABJ. And you're in the zone. City to city, state to state, worldwide. You're listening to In the Zone, and this is the network. Palm Alexander, aka the living legend, KIL, one L and kill, but kill still kill. Joining me on our celebrity line, sponsored by Missouri Sports Bar and Grill, is my media brother up there in the northeast corner of the United States in Connecticut, Michael Lyle Jr. from NPR Radio, WITC 1080 AM. Uh, one of the hardest working brothers in media. How you doing, bro? Brother, I'm doing good on the Saturday afternoon. How's y'all doing out there in St. Louis? You know, uh, we're doing pretty good. And, and, you know, we're on the eastern side of the state. And on the western side of the state, uh, they have a lot to be happy about. And one of the weird things about St. Louis and Kansas City, uh, it's like there's no love lost between either city. So uh, a lot of people in St. Louis, believe it or not, are rooting for the Chiefs. Have you ever seen anything like that before? I have not seen anything like this, but <laughs> I figured that since there's no other team after the roof, well, I guess you got. I guess from that perspective, you got to go with the home team in this case. <laughs> Although I don't necessarily say that to be the truth, because if the Jets were in the Super Bowl and I'm a Giants fan, uh-huh. I'm not going to necessarily say I'm going to root for the Jets in this case. If they are in the big game. I'm just saying I'm not going to go with the enemy. That's like rooting for the Mets in the World Series, and I'm a Yankees fan. You know what I mean? It doesn't make doesn't make sense to me. If you're a team, and you're a fan of your team. You root for that team, even though you got the team that represents that particular market that's in the game, but I just couldn't see myself rooting for the opposite team that I'm a fan of, unless there's something that goes on with those teams that I really don't like about the other team that's going to make me say, okay, I guess I will root for this team now. It's been uh, 50 years since the Kansas City Chiefs have been in the Super Bowl, so now in our lifetime. Uh, on a sidebar, right, if the Chiefs can make it to the Super Bowl, is it possible to see the Jets in the Super Bowl in our lifetime? <laughs> Anything is possible. Anything is possible in this day and age because think about it this way. Did we think they was going to be the Chiefs and not the Ravens? Mm, mm. 
Everybody had the Ravens penciled in going to Miami this week. Remember, they were thinking that this was the team with Lamar Jackson and how they were riding high all year long, that they were the team that were going to that was going to be the team to beat, that was looking like the team that was going to be in the, in beat, unbeatable going all the way to Miami. Yeah. But that all changed because of the team in the Titans that was hotter than they were and played a better football than the Ravens did. And then the Chiefs were playing at their best, and that's why they got to the big game because they found a way to slow down Derrick Henry, which is why I think the Chiefs have a very good chance of winning this game on Sunday. So you got the Chiefs winning against the 49ers. Is, is that what you got? I think it's going to be a close game. I think that I would think I think the Chiefs might pull it out in a close game, but I think it's going to be a good test for the Chiefs defense because the 49ers have a very good run game, and their run game has been superb the last couple of weeks. And Jimmy Garoppolo has neither done much throwing the ball, but I think he'll do a lot more of that tomorrow because he will be tested by that Chiefs defense. So I expect it to be a very low-scoring affair, two high-powered offenses. Probably not going to get much movement on the offensive side of the ball, but we'll see a lot of defensive action, and I think that's what's going to lead to a low-scoring affair. That is the voice of Michael Lau Jr. Join us on the In The Zone show. We're going to sit in the city, state to state, worldwide. You'll be able to check Michael out on NPR Radio up in New England and also WITC 1080 AM. Um, since you up that way, a lot of talk about the uh, the Patriots. And you know what? Um, I've just come accustomed to always seeing them uh, in the Super Bowl and whatnot. Um, I'm here there there's some trouble brewing uh possibly, you know, with, with Robert Kraft and, and Belichick and, and Brady and, and possibly uh, you know, Belichick, you know, looking to move beyond Tom Brady and Tom Brady wanting to stay. Uh, what what have you been hearing up there? We haven't been hearing much, although Tom Brady did put out a little cryptic tweet the other day that showed him walking in a dark tunnel and didn't have a <laughs> caption around it. So a lot of people are trying to speculate what that exactly meant. Although he has not yet said publicly what his intentions are. Many think he's going to come back to the Patriots. Some think he might play football again, but it may not be here in New England. So there's a lot of question marks. I think a lot of fans are going to want him to be back here, obviously, because they just can't see Tom Brady playing elsewhere. But... If you want a little bit of a uh, segue into what I'm thinking, he did move out of New England. He lived in Boston, in the metropolitan area outside of Boston. But recently, him and his wife, Giselle, bought a house down here in Greenwich, in Connecticut. Really? So if you want to feel the speculation, perhaps he might be staying in New England. Although, if you think about it, Greenwich is closer to the New York City area. And as I just mentioned, there's two teams in that market, the Jets and the Giants. So now you have three potential teams he might be looking at in this region. Wow. Grant is a lot closer to New York than it is to New England, to Boston. Mm-hmm. If you want to look at the logistics of him being away from Gillette Stadium and coming further down towards the New York area. If you had to bet money on it, do you think Brady stays with the Patriots? I think so. I think especially after the way the season ended, and it wasn't one of their best seasons either. I mean, expectations are always high here in New England when it comes to the Patriots. The fans have been spoiled because they've won six championships, and Brady has been the recipient of them, and they want to be a team that constantly wins games, and they feel like that if not winning the Super Bowl, that they don't achieve that goal, it's a failure. So they feel like they should want to expect every year that Brady will be the team that gets into that big game, and after the way this season ended, I think that he wants to come back and try and prove everybody wrong. I mean, the guy's in his 40s now. So the fact that he's still playing football at that age is, is, is amazing. And he doesn't look like he's going to be slowing down anytime soon. So I would think that he's going to probably maybe have maybe two, maybe one, two more years left to go. And I would think he's going to need these next two years to try and prove a point and then 
maybe if he wins another championship, he might mm-hmm. go off in the sunset. That's what we're, that's what many people are up here are speculating. That is the voice of Michael uh, Jr. You can listen to him at NPR up in New England, and also at WITC 1080 AM. And we are talking everything because he does cover everything, uh, sports, news. And listen, um, I want to talk to you about the Kobe Bryant death uh, because I thought about you because I know that's your job also covering the news. And... That happening, right, when, when he died, and my, I, I was numb. I mean, I just I just felt numbness all over my body, my soul. But I, I thought about you immediately because I, I was wondering, like, what, what would I do if I was in your position having to do the news and having to have to break a story like this of, of it, um, just not an iconic basketball star, but a uh, someone that touched so many people around the world, right? Um, how was you able to 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 work? Because you got to kind of put the human element to the side, and, and you know, still be a pro. It's because it's my job, brothers. That's why. It's a job that I took on. It's a job I've been passionate about for 21 years. It's a career I chose. I know there's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of pros and cons that come with it. But sometimes you just can't ignore the fact that that is a story that has to be told. As much as I did not want to make that the lead story every half hour last Sunday evening talking about Kobe Bryant and how he and his daughter and seven others were on that helicopter, you have to do the job. I didn't want to. I did not even want to even be bothered working that day. I just said yeah. this is probably one of those days I wish I was not working. Yeah. That I could be home like the rest of the world was doing, was grieving. But instead, I'm working and having to help people grieve even more by reporting this news. So when I got off the air after 11.30 last Sunday night, I even posted on social media that this was probably one of the more toughest assignments I've had in a long time. The fact that I had to go on the air and talk about an icon who many looked up to is no longer on this earth, and his daughter and seven others were taken with him. So think about the context of having to do that job and then not having to lose it on air and not having to show any emotion and then having to just constantly do that for six hours straight guys i was working for a six hour shift every half hour top and bottom reporting that news that's a job that as journalists as much as we don't want to do that job as much as i can say you know what i don't want to do this job today but it's a job i get paid to do it's a job that people look for me to do it's a job that people are going to turn on their radios and want to hear something coming out of their speakers which is what i have been tasked to do so i have to do the job as much as it was really painful it was, yeah, I got through it. But I got to tell you, I have been emotionally distraught all week long about the news. And it's not like it's going to go away anytime soon. I'm sure a lot of us can agree yeah. that even though it happened a week ago, the fact of the matter is that we were talking off air. Yeah, we got the big game this weekend. But I have to tell you, I don't know how many people are going to be feeling like they're in the Super Bowl jovial mood right now. Because the fact of the matter is, Kobe was at the Lakers game last night. The big game's tomorrow. But... How are you going to find yourself in a happy-go-lucky mood to watch a game like that? And we're finding out that Kobe's gone. And like I said, after the game is over, it's back to reality. We have to yeah. go on with the rest of the NBA season knowing that Kobe and his daughter and his other friends and his family members are no longer here. And we have to constantly be reminded of that every single day now. It's not like yeah. we're just going to just sweep this under the rug and say, okay, it never happened. It happened. Yeah. And now the reality is we have to go through with this with the rest of our lives for as long as we're here, having to recognize that that is what happened. That's, I think that's the painful part of this. 
That is the voice of Michael Lyle Jr. You can listen to him at NPR New England. Also WITC 1080 AM. And I'll tell you something else. Um, I think I, I may have mentioned this earlier, though. Uh, when something like this happens, you remember where you was at when, when it happened. You knew exactly where you were standing. You knew exactly what you was wearing. Uh, almost like 9-11. It's like one of those things you will never forget as long as you live. And that's just what it was. I was in my house when I had gotten the news from a text, and then I had saw that it was trending on social media, and I thought like everybody else was thinking. I said, please let this not be true. Yeah. And with all due respect, I know that people give TMZ a lot of clout because of the fact that they could be known, well, they are known to many as a tabloid. So it's not always easy to believe what they say initially when they're the ones who break this kind of stuff in the first place. So I think the speculation was that, well, TMZ reported it, but... TMZ has built that reputation where people don't always look at them as a reliable source. But they were the reliable source because they were the first ones to report it and it turned out they were right. So once we got through that initial shock that it actually happened and TMZ had, had, had broke the story and that the rest of the national news outlets were talking about it, that's when it hit me. Like, wow. And then now you're wondering... There was reports about Rick Fox being on the helicopter. Oh, man. Was, oh, now, my goodness. It was, like, it was like rapid news coming after you. Like, okay, like, who else was on the helicopter? Yeah. Now you're hearing it was, was Rick Fox. Was it was all his daughters on it? It was, they would turn out it was, uh, it was Gianna and the, uh, seven of the, of the coach, the baseball coach, and their relatives were on there, too. It's like you're trying to process all this information at one time, and you're just trying to keep it together. Like, okay, please tell me that we don't like what? Like, we don't need more bad news on top of bad news. Like, Let's get to the bottom. Is what else do we need to know here? What else do we have to process? What else is in the process for this? Right, and then, that's what I think was the other challenge. What else do we need to know about it? And then, then you know, by you being in the news, uh, you always want to make sure that you report the most accurate thing. So that was the other thing too. Like, how accurate is this news that you're reporting that people are depending on? That's the thing about this business, gentlemen. It's always tough to have to put the news out there. But I think one of the flaws in our industry, and this is what we've been talking with, has been called out to us many times, and I'm sure a lot of your predecessors will tell you this too. It's nice to be the one to have the scoop on a story, but let me tell you, I would rather be the first to get the scoop the right way yeah. rather than be the one to break it and then it gets, and it turns out it's the wrong information. There's nothing worse than being the first on the scene to report the story, but it turns out to be inaccurate. Yeah. And especially with the way the men, our industry is being looked at today by a lot of people that think that this whole this whole phenom of fake news and journalism has become untrustworthy, that people are fabricating stuff and nobody can believe this anymore. Especially now, you have to be very careful about how you report such, certain stories like this. Because if you put it out there and it turns out not to be true, not only do you jeopardize your professional career, but you also mess up your credibility as a person and also the person and the outlet you're working for comes under question. Because it's like, now how can we believe anything you say now? Right. You got this wrong initially. Now how can we look at you as a reliable source if something were like this would happen again? Even and- if it wasn't true. It's unfortunate that now you got to be put under that umbrella, but now you put that you put yourself out there to where we have to question everything you say. And that's unfortunate. And then kind of stand along those lines and going to the, my next transition uh, there's no letting up for you because you got to deal with the impeachment hearings on top of that and then again um, reporting the news uh, you always have to show impartiality you don't want to appear partisan so uh, can, you, can you tell our listeners uh, how was you able to navigate that 
the thing about politics is no matter what you put out there, and I think you've seen this constantly since within the last four years now, going on four years, and that there's always going to be somebody that has a difference of opinion about politics. Now, we could talk about the impeachment process and how it's going out. Personally, I think that President Trump is going to be acquitted this week. I don't think he's going to be charged. I think he's going to be acquitted. And I think yeah. that's just what everybody in the Senate wanted to happen initially, because I think a lot of us were not quite surprised, considering that the majority of the Senate is ran by the GOP. Right. So you think that he's going to go to trial, and if you think that the Republicans were going to actually convict this man, I said, well, I hate to break it to you, but there's a slim chance that that's going to happen. In fact, history has shown the last two presidents that were impeached, including Bill Clinton, they were acquitted of their crimes. Yeah. So it's very rare that if you are to impeach somebody in this country, that they're likely going to be convicted. Especially if you have a if you have a, a dominant factor in the House and the Senate. Yeah. The House is controlled by the Democrats. The Senate is who now held the keys to whether or not the president is to be convicted. And, and see they're that, owned by the GOP. And, and so see, that's what I'm, right. so, I'm so sorry. You figure that all that all that in consideration is like um, if you think that Trump is going to be convicted, and I hate to say it, I truly doubt that's going to happen. And most of the speculation is that, yeah, he's going to be back out there campaigning within the next week or so. Yeah, and, and see, um, that, was, that was the one thing, too, that I, I know that the, the Democrats are mad as hell or whatnot, but, I mean, you don't control the Senate, so what do you expect? You know what I'm saying? I mean, really, you don't control the Senate, and they was already going to uh, acquit them. I just don't understand why, well, we know why was they mad, uh, when they knew they, they, they wasn't going to get the votes, um, you know, for that to happen. So, in my opinion, my personal opinion, if, if they want to, uh, you know, kind of kill a lot of noise, uh, win the Senate, you know? <laughs> well, the thing with the witnesses, too, is that they decided not to even get the witnesses involved. So right. That's been another clue. Like, obviously, they're going to push this through where they're not going to even make it a big spectacle now. They've gone through the impeachment process. They have a trial as much as they see fit to have a trial under their own terms, as you want to call it. And now we wait until Wednesday to find out what the news is. And it shouldn't be much of a surprise to anybody if you've been following this like I have. And that's just the reality of it. Now, after this, we have to say, well, what do we do if you're not happy? Well, now we have an election year upon us. Now we have to look toward November. Yeah. This is when people really need to start looking at themselves and say, do you really want this? If you're not happy, if you're not happy with either side, what are you going to do about it as a citizen of this country where you have the right to make your vote count? Are you going to sit on the sidelines and let people just make the decision for you and then you find yourself in the same predicament? Or are you going to exercise that amendment that you have to go out there and make it count? Either way, at least show that you do have a voice in the matter, whether you, your candidate that you vote for wins or not. It doesn't matter. At least do something about it. Don't be part of the problem. Try to be part of the solution to the problem if you look at it that way. That is the voice of Michael Lau Jr. He is on the air at NPR Radio, New England, also at WITC 1080 AM. Tell our listeners, tell some of your followers the best way to keep up with you and all of the great things that you're doing. You can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Lyle Multimedia. And you can also follow me on LinkedIn at Michael Lyle Jr. And as well as on Facebook at the same name. So I'm all over the place. All right, brother. Thank you so much, man. Enjoy your weekend. And you know, we got to have you back on soon. Absolutely, brother. It was a pleasure. Good luck with your... I don't know if you're rooting for it tomorrow, but enjoy the game if you can, if you can do that. And then, yeah, we'll wrap again soon. I appreciate it. All right, that is the voice of Michael I. Jr. We're going city to city, state to state, worldwide. You're listening to In the Zone, and this is the network.
This is Mike Lyle Jr., news anchor and reporter based in Connecticut for New England Public Radio and WTIC. And you're in the zone. Hey, folks, the A-Train here. You know, if you're a fan of the In The Zone Network, you need to get your hands on some In The Zone Network gear. Folks, we got T-shirts, hoodies, bags, towels, mugs, and accessories. And it's all here for you, our In The Zone fan. So get the latest In The Zone Network gear today at the In The Zone Network online store. Remember, your order is backed by Teespring's 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go today at teespring.com slash in dash the dash zone dash network. Palm Alexander for the In The Zone Network. I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, Missouri Sports Bar and Grill. They've been in business for over 40 years. They're located at 701 Tucker Boulevard. They're the new home of the XFL STL Talk Show. Give them a call, 314-202-8791 if you want to place an order. Remember, they stay open at 3 a.m., and they're going to be the home where we'll be doing our tailgate for home and away games. That is Missouri Sports Bar and Grill, located at 701 Tucker Boulevard. They make you feel like at home because you are at home. 